The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity FM Radio. I am Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Reverend Dan Beckett. And together, we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. And as today's show is an interactive discussion, if you are listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. And Facebook users, you can also connect with us on our page, Spirit of Recovery, and share your thoughts and comments there. So today's show is all about power. 12-step wisdom teaches that we are powerless, powerless over our addiction. But does that mean we're powerless over everything? Early in recovery, we learned that our dilemma was lack of power and that we must find a power greater than ourselves in order to recover from addiction. So what is this power? And where do we find it? And how do we use it? And how do we know if it's the right kind of power? How can we live according to a higher power yet not lose our personal power in the process. Dan, that's a lot of questions about power. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I remember how defeated I felt when I had been struggling to maintain or even get control of my life. And the way I heard it, I had no power because I equated power with control. I had no co- control at all over my addiction and therefore no power according to 12-step um, ideas. But where could I find this power to recover? Yeah. That, that's a that's a great question, and I too uh, remember back to that um, time of feeling, you know, that dread of realizing exactly how powerless I was over my addiction, because I I found the uh, powerlessness seemed for me to go hand in hand with a, a certain level of denial. Uh, which is, of course, hard, if not impossible, to have any perspective on uh, when one is sitting in the middle of it. That was my experience, at least. And so the um, the way that the denial functioned was to kind of hide that the truth about the powerlessness from me. And so when that all began to fall apart and uh, when it became clear to me exactly how powerless I was. That was a pretty dreadful time 
to really face the reality of that. I remember um, feeling, you know, distinctly a sense of impending doom. You know, I'm thinking of, uh, especially right there at the end and, and how clear it was that I did not have any control, did not have any power over my drinking. You know, I think I always, uh, when I heard the word powerless, I was confused because I had had a great deal of success in my life. Um, you know, when I exited my childhood, I was determined to control my life and I put put myself in positions to do that. And, you know, that resulted in um, being overbearing sometimes or bossy. And I put myself in positions, leadership positions and positions where I, I got to be the one that called the shots. And so when I arrived in the program, what's all this talk about powerless? Because I didn't understand about the powerlessness of addiction. You know, for me, it it's um, it doesn't matter what choice I make. I, I have no control over the outcome, which is different than helpless, which is I just don't know what my options are or I don't have any options immediately available. But there are options to change the outcome. But I felt like I was had power when I was in control. And so by the time I, I got here, I understood I could not control the addiction. And from that perspective, I could agree to that tiny little statement that I was powerless over my addiction. But I was not powerless over the rest of my life. Yeah, I, I felt the same way for sure. And to, um, you know, being able to make that distinction between powerless over alcohol, that's one thing. Um, and I and I have encountered uh, folks who it seemed like maybe they were taking that concept a little far, and it it doesn't. I mean, far further into general powerlessness, which um, I didn't feel generally powerless, although I distinctly felt powerless over alcohol. And I've noticed how, for some religious traditions, that kind of plays into some aspects of of religious tradition, and maybe that's why. Um, it seemed to get, uh, you know, it, it brought in a wider meaning than perhaps even the statement, you know, the step itself uh, was saying. But that aside, the powerlessness over alcohol is certainly not to be diminished. I mean, that, that was a huge, huge issue, of course, that led me uh, into recovery, fortunately, and you know, there were just, again, that, that denial combined with powerlessness felt like kind of a, a, a double whammy. I remember, um, you know, drinking when I didn't even necessarily want to, or what, maybe I wasn't sure yet that I wanted to, but yet um, there I was uh, doing it anyway. And I found that in my life, it um, you know, it, it would consume my evenings. I, like you, was uh, highly functional. Um, even nearing the end of my drinking, I, you know, had a job, I had income, I had a house, I had cars and a family and all that. Um, but still, um, you know, evenings would become consumed by drinking, if only because I'm, you know, I'm homebound. I, I wasn't, I've had friends that said, you know, as soon as they take a drink, all they want to do is drive. And I thought, I'm so glad that I don't, that I'm not wired like that. Cause if I took a drink, all I want to do is hang out at home. And so that's what I did. But I, you know, I, you can see, I get kind of homebound that way. So, 
you know, and, and not even by choice. I guess that's what we're saying. Even when I would uh, find myself thinking in maybe in the late afternoon, eh, you know, maybe I'll take it easy today. You know, maybe maybe today will, will be different. While I was thinking that, I'd walk in the house and take a drink. Yeah, I think that's one of the most confusing things about the around the powerlessness is the compulsion. You know, the obsession and the compulsion, which is what, in my opinion, equates to powerlessness. Because, you know, the compulsion um, shows up once that we once we have. Um, uh, ingested something that triggers a reaction within us and the craving occurs. And then, you know, the obsession can't stop thinking about it, drives the behavior. And and I can remember walking up the stairs one night and seeing a half full can of beer sitting on the table going, oh man, I got to finish that before I go to bed. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that's just plain insanity. Yeah. But, you know, but it was things like that that made me understand my powerlessness. I understood when I first got in the program, I understood that if I put it in my body, I had no control. I got that part. But I did not understand the obsessive thinking and and the way that that powerlessness leached into the other areas of my life because of the decisions I made around alcohol um, and pills and things like that. You know, I I made poor decisions basically, which then affected other areas of my life. It, I turned my uh, thinking over to the direction of this substance, which then was confused and disorderly, um, you know, and missed deadlines and did all kinds of things that, that did not, were not helpful to the rest of my life. So by the time I got here, I, I was powerless over this substance, but I could see that it had a ripple effect, a domino effect throughout my entire life. Yeah, I found the same thing, and and uh, in a way, you know, I've heard that statement many times that, um, you know, God or our higher power won't put anything in front of us that we can't handle. And what I found that to mean is that, uh, that I would often be oblivious to things, um, perhaps because I, it wasn't my time, you know, perhaps because I was not in a place where I could process those things. And some of those things are along the lines that you're sharing, how deep the roots of this run into other areas of my life. And I had no idea. I could not see that at all. Even when early on, it was very clear to me that I was powerless over alcohol. Even when I accepted that and accepted being on a recovery path and even embraced being on a recovery path, I still did not have a concept of how that powerlessness um, had effects on many other parts of my life. Like you're saying, you know, poor decisions and it's like a domino effect almost and the and these these roots or tentacles if you will of that are um, beginning with my addiction find their way into many many aspects of my life yeah so um you know when i think back on my childhood I can see that I learned some behaviors that contributed to this, not just to the addiction, but to the thinking and to the giving my power away. I didn't learn how to say no very well. You know, I, I uh, wasn't very good at setting boundaries. Um, you know, I looked to other people to take care of me or to take care of my emotions. You know, I, I, and we're masters at this. <laughs> in our society, we teach women to take care of everybody else first. I threw myself under the bus a lot. Yeah. And so even if I had power, 
if I had actual power um, in a situation, I couldn't see it and I couldn't use it. Right. I, I totally can can see what you're what you're saying. And that's, of course, a, a wholly different experience than I had, not only because we live different lives, but because as a as a man, the the expectations are quite different. And my, so my response to the expectations is quite different. And, and where I went with it, even as a child, is to um, step back, you know, step away from whatever's happening. Be uh, an outside observer as much as possible. Avoid being in the center of anything as much as possible. And so I spent a tremendous amount of time watching things happen, trying to understand what was going on. What is the dynamic here? Who has the power? You know, what do I need to be concerned about staying away from, et cetera, um, to the point where uh, I also was not well trained in the use of power because my whole approach was stay away, back off, push away, leave me, leave me out of it. I'm just going to sit over here and watch everybody do their thing so I can be safe. That was the bottom line. That's a real interesting, um, real interesting perspective. I think I had a, a different perspective once I thought I had some power in my life in positions of power, for example, at work and things like that, that I could accomplish anything and call, maybe call it ego. I don't know. But with the right approach, with the right information, with the right tools and the right people, we can do this. And so I um, assumed power, perhaps, when there really wasn't any. I remember one year I did a budget 19 times because I couldn't hear the word no. I kept thinking, well, if I just do it this way, if I just, if I put this in here, well, maybe if we approach it from this direction, but my boss never said, outright said no until the 19th time. <laughs> and she said, don't you get it? <laughs> and, and I think about that, that, you know, I was determined to have my way. Yeah, you know, but having 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 my way was an expression of the power that I felt I had lacked earlier in my life. Yeah, I I definitely had that too. But for for uh, where I was coming from, it was always just leave me alone so I can get this done. If you just leave me alone, then I'll figure it out by myself. I will figure out how this works and I will get it done. Uh, and so. My relationship, I suppose, with power there was that, um, it, you know, it was only really operable if I could avoid other people's interactions as much as possible, you know, which, of course, you can hear the introvert in that. <laughs> still, still an introvert, mm -hmm. although I, I play an extrovert on TV. There you go. So you were talking about denial a while ago, and I was I was thinking about what you said about how it masked your perception of the power that you had. Mm -hmm. And and what um, came to my mind was that I can remember prior to getting in the program, prior, prior to stopping uh, the, any kind of chemical ingestion, I thought I could juggle about seven things well. I could keep seven things in the air, major projects, big initiatives, things like that. And I could, I won't say stay on top of it, but I could keep up with them. Once I stopped, I had little control over any of that. I could not keep two thoughts together in my mind. I couldn't do three things. If there's more than two things on the grocery <laughs> list, I better have a written list. And I, and I thought I lost whatever power I did have. 
And yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand that. Yeah, it, it's definitely, uh, in my experience, it was definitely confounding and uh, confusing all of these dynamics, uh, especially around powerlessness, where, like we're saying, in one sense, so clearly powerless over alcohol, but I didn't feel powerless in my life in general. But, uh, you know, time showed that, that even that, there was more, more going on than that. But as we like to do, in our 12-step programs, we move from the problem into the solution. So now that we know about the challenge of powerlessness over our addiction, here's the question of the day. What is the solution? What is the solution? I bet it is a different source of power. The book says it's a higher power. So yes. some of the questions that we posed at the beginning, what is this power? And where do we find it? And how do we use it? And how do we know if it's the right kind? I think these are all just as confounding as the lack of power. At least it was for me. I uh, First thing I had to do was understand that whatever I was doing at, at, to try to control my life, i.e. to have power, wasn't working. And I had to stop doing a lot of different things. I had Besides the, the uh, drugs and alcohol, I, I had to stop. I had to stop trying to control everybody and everything outside of me and to make my life work, I had to get down to ground zero before I was willing to seek something else. Yes. I really appreciated uh, in the Unity um, world our description of a higher power or of God. We use the word God in Unity, higher power, uh, same thing. And I really appreciated that we had a definition, and, and it is in one of our Unity's five basic principles. These principles, as I say, that in, to me they bind us together as a community, in that the one where we affirm a concept of God that we describe as, quote, one power and one presence. You know, and that fits very well for me, obviously. I'm here. But that, uh, that higher power, one presence, one power, fits with the concept in the program of, of a higher power of your own choosing. And to just say there's one, and it is the one presence in the universe, um, gave me something to hang on to, gave me something to test my ideas against. So this idea of the higher power is what we're focusing on today. So... What is a higher power, and where do yeah. I get one? <laughs> or two. Hey, if one's good, two's better. Um, yeah, I, I, being a, uh, by nature, I'm kind of an idea-oriented person, right? I like ideas and, and concepts. I'm very comfortable in the realm of mind, um, you know, much more, say, than, than in taking action. You know, given any challenge, my very first response is always to, some kind of, well, let's figure this out, let's understand this, rather than, you know, let, let's jump in and start doing something, or, or certainly not, let's talk to other people and see how they feel about it. Oh, no, let's not. Let's figure this out, and uh, that's how we'll lead us through it. So, the, you know, all these different higher powers, these different God concepts, 
you know, I, I heard ideas early on uh, in the 12-step program that I found helpful. I mean, even for the ones that I didn't personally take up for myself, just the fact that th it was such a wide open field. I think our literature even talks about that. Um, you know, the, the, the path is wide. So, for example, um, in Unity, we might affirm God as principle which, you know, we could spend a whole show talking about what that means. But that uh, concept of God is one that can work with people. You know, God is energy is one. Um, good orderly direction, I've heard. What, what God concepts did you run into early in recovery that you found helpful? Well, I was definitely um, agnostic to, um, I don't know, oppositional when I first got in the program. <laughs> Because I had had uh, brought in all these concepts with me that did not work from childhood. And so I was highly resistant to any kind of a God concept. And so the God concepts that worked for me started with uh, one of my sponsors saying to me, you can see that I believe, can't you? And I said, yes. And she said, why don't you borrow my higher power? Mm. And I said, okay, what does that look like? And she said, well, this is what I do. And she gave me her list of things. She, you know, she... And actually, I still use that list with people today. You know, you pray in the morning, you pray in the evening, you know, you read some spiritual literature sometime during the day, you talk to other people. It's, in my book, the formula, the baseline formula, because if you think about it, doing those things, even out of blind faith, if you will, sets the stage for a growing faith. And, and that's what I needed in order to find a higher power. Yeah, what I'm hearing there is that saying that we have, it works if you work it. And I find it wonderful and fascinating that when your sponsor offered for you to borrow her higher power, the way that she suggested that you borrow it was in a series of actions. Yes. Right, we take action. And um, I, I came into recovery and spirituality uh, what seems a little bit backwards, I also was uh, atheist or agnostic, even if I even cared to think about it enough to differentiate the two, which I did not. Uh, it meant nothing to me whatsoever. And um, leading up to the beginning of my recovery is when I encountered uh, unity principles and a God concept um, that began to work for me that I was so grateful was already in place at the time when I came in to the rooms, when I, when I got on a recovery path, I kind of already had a God concept that worked uh, for me and I was able to move that forward. In fact, I have in some ways seen my addiction and recovery, not as the beginning of my spiritual path, but it was early on a significant impediment. You know, I got to the point where I realized I cannot move ahead until I deal with this. Mm -hmm. You know, another step on my journey was um, that worked for a while doing that. And I wasn't really all that serious. I mean, I could go through the actions. I can do the motions. I can, uh, you know, do everything that was on the list. But the next thing that happened for me was that I, um, I, I was diagnosed with cancer when I was a year and a half clean. Well, at that point, I got scared, you know, because I thought I, my brain makes up all kinds of stories. Mm -hmm. And so it did, it went wild. 
and I was, um, I had worked through the steps once, but they were on a, what I consider to be somewhat superficial level today when I look back at that. But I, I was scared and I decided I had to start this search in earnest. And so um, I started talking to other people about their higher power. How do you find a higher power? What do you use for your higher power? And I was pointed to the tradition that talks about the uh, group conscience. And so I extrapolated from that, that, okay, if their higher power, God as they understand God, shows up through the consciousness of a group of people, then perhaps that's where mine is. Yes. And so for a long time, I listened very carefully in any gathering that I was in to see if I could find this consciousness. Um, and, and, you know, sparing all of the details, I found that that was helpful for me. Another thought uh, that was given to me was somebody said, look for the good. It's God with an extra O. Yes. You know, look for the good. Anytime you find good, God is present. And so that's, those are the ways that I had to start. And by the way, that was the point in time that I acquired like eight different varieties of Bibles and decided that I was <laughs> going to start studying. <laughs> yes. Because there I had think, to be something in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there is. I think that's a wonderful approach because what I'm hearing you say is that you were just really, really open and inquisitive and listening and looking for. And I, I can't think of a better way to approach the concept of a higher power or of God or the idea of finding God, whatever that might mean for each of us. I, that seems like a wonderful approach. And I also heard in what you were saying, uh, something that I heard in the rooms, G-O-D group of drunks, right? Even if you uh, balk at the traditional concept or even balk at the word God, that's okay. Uh, think of the group as your higher power. The group is functional. The group is guided by um, some kind of God consciousness, like you say. Hey, why, why not the group? And what I found fascinating, and I still find completely fascinating, and I noticed early on, um, because doesn't it seem like if there was a God, and I'm using kind of my old old language, if there was a God, then you'd have to find that God, right? That one and only. How come it worked for so many different people who had so many different concepts? What is up with that? How can one person look at good orderly direction as a higher power, another one, a group of drunks, another one says, I don't know, I'm just going to do what my sponsor tells me. And another one says, I'm going to make the doorknob my higher power because I'm really angry at religious people. And guess what? It works. How, how is that even possible? I, I still wrestle with that today. That is the power of what this thing that I call God that I do not understand. Well, I've said for a long time that it's God as I don't understand God. Yes, I love that. I love that. So, or God as I misunderstand God. Yeah, more likely for me, yes. So we're getting close to our time for, uh, for our break. So let's pick up right after the break with this discussion and um, finish up about what is God. So when we, we come back, we'll open the phone line for callers. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what that Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Tune into Everyday Attraction with Ray Zander every Friday at 12 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. Take a deep dive into the teachings of Abraham and discover how to make the law of attraction work for you in your life. Each week, Ray goes into the heart of understanding the power of our emotions and how to become conscious co-creators. Learn how to release resistant thoughts and live life to the fullest. Find out more at everydayattraction.com. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We're going to resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to let you know that we're opening the lines for callers. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. 
So prior to the break, we were discussing power, not having it, needing it, finding it, what kind it is, how we give it away, and how are we going to talk about and reclaim this use of our power. So Dan, now that we know that our challenge is powerlessness over our addiction and the solution is finding a higher power, how exactly would one go about finding a higher power and how would it help us to recover from addiction? What a great question. Um, I, I That is such a, a big topic and I know uh, just from uh, my limited experience, it's different for everyone. So I, I don't know that I could ever tell somebody how to find a higher power. I know how others have done it and I know how I've done it. So I think what I could do that might be helpful is share some of the ways that helped me to um, find a higher power to um, develop that that sense and and eventually you know make that the the very center piece of my life. Uh, what comes to mind first is this concept that uh, I know is common in our in our unity movement of seeking guidance, right? This idea that we can turn within and seek guidance from our higher power by turning our attention away from what's going on outside of us and around us and turning our attention to, you know, some kind of uh, inner wisdom and inner voice, if you will. Or for me, what I found as I was taught that process and learned it is that the guidance for me shows up as a, a, a feeling, almost like a physical feeling. It's, you know, it's not a voice. It's not an idea or a picture. It's a physical feeling that shows up. I've heard uh, that scripture from the Hebrew Bible, um, one of the stories of Elijah, refer to that, um, that guidance as a still, small voice. And I love that. Because from that, I found that to be true within me. So whatever it is that uh, God is or that uh, my higher power is, the very first way I was able to approach it um, was through experience. And it was experience of that inner guidance that came up, as I said, as a, a feeling. That still small voice in me showed up as a gut, visceral feeling. You know, before the break, we were talking about um, the journey, and I left off with having purchased eight Bibles to start this search. <laughs> yes. But there were other things along the way as well. Um, you know, I, it, it talks about, you were talking about a hunch. It talks about that in the book, and I did not know what that meant. It talked about how um, the hunch becomes a working part of the mind and how we're able to use that as guidance. And it talks about how deep within us is is uh, is a fundamental idea of God, and I didn't really ever connect that. That deep within every man, woman, and child is a fundamental idea of God, and it may be obscured by calamity. That is exactly what was happening to me. I was unable to get in touch with this thing called God in any way, shape, or form at that point because of the calamity in my life. And I'm not just talking about external. You talked about the still small voice. Well, for those of us that had other voices in our heads, <laughs> whether they were from the past or whether they were, you know, conflicting viewpoints or what have you, for me, it was a, a pretty long journey. The next thing that I did was I had started going to church the same weekend that I got sober. I figured I needed all the help I could get. <laughs> yes. 
but I did not agree with the theology. I, but it felt safe, and I felt like there was something there, and so it was a a safe, nurturing place for me to explore. You know, the 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 feeling of being connected to something. But at that moment, I could not feel connected unless I was there, you know, and with those people in community. And so, um, you know, the the next thing that on my path was to explore other options. So I got involved with a group that did a sweat lodge. And, um, you know, I started seeing what are other people doing that seem to be happy, joyous, and free, that feel like they're connected and their lives seem to be working. And so I started trying what other people were doing. Yeah, I, I'm reminded, I absolutely love that phrase that you read, deep within every man, woman, and child. Um, what that tells me is that there is something there, and it's it's not it's not something I need to create as much as um, experience or uncover. I don't need to go get it because it's already there. I just need to stop drowning it out. Again, that that description of a still small voice, uh, I love because in my experience that has been true. That it's very easy for me to drown out. Um, that that divine presence in me uh, by the endless chatter in my mind, you know, especially in the forms of fears and of worrying about things. And for me, to some extent in planning, you know, if I get deep into planning, which is a fear driven activity, um, you know, I, I'm not paying any attention to that still small voice. I'm almost telling it, you know, j- j- shut up. I've got this. You know, this is important. I, uh, don't bother me. I'm, I got. I'm figuring this out. Okay. Um, but what really helped me a lot to not do those things, to not crowd out or um, drown out that still small voice in me, was a simple prayer practice, which um, I might even call a meditation practice. And that, that can be, and for me was, as simple as, you know, each morning when I woke up acknowledging this power in this presence, to use the unity phrase, um, that, that is um, in the center of my universe and my life, and to just begin each day from that place and then at the end of each day, again, to acknowledging gratitude, uh, that uh, higher power in me, for whatever it for whatever it is that may have gone on in the day, and and by repeating that over time, um, that allowed me to develop what I could only call a you know an uh, an experience or a relationship, if you will, based on experience over time. So even though I could not define in words very well. Uh, what was going on or what was this higher power and was it real or did I make it up or whatever, setting all that aside. Um, I had a, uh, what was definitely real was my experience of that practice and of that higher power. And early on, that's all I needed to keep to keep putting one foot in front of the other on the recovery path. We have such different experiences around this. <laughs> The, the next thing that I did was I was so confused. I had confused myself so badly with all of the other different ideas about this higher power. You know, I mean, I was looking at Buddhism and I was looking at the Jewish traditions and I was looking at Christianity and I was looking at the Native American and, you know, all of these different things. And how could I was baffled. 
this was years before I got into to Unity, I was baffled at how this could all be true, how this could work. And so I was assigned the task of doing a God inventory. You know, we do periodic inventories in the program, and this one was to write down everything I thought I knew about God, what I believed in, what I be didn't believe God did, all of that to try to sort this out. I didn't find God through that process, but what I found was that I had quite a number of conflicting ideas about this thing. And that helped me get to a point to be able to throw out my preconceived notions, my uh, old ideas about God, if you will, to start with a fresh slate, uh, a more open mind. Because I think what I had been doing is collecting information to make the puzzle pieces fit. Yeah, and I love what you're saying. You know, there is a Latin phrase that is ancient that describes exactly what you're doing. It's called via negativa, right? If I approach the idea of God by removing everything that is not God, then there that must leave only that which is God. Now, that's a simple-sounding thing to say, and but that's a process I don't know that one could ever be done with. But man, I have found it super helpful to be able to um, set aside things that were conflicts in me, confusing things. You know, people have many, many different beliefs about God, and I hear things about God a lot, and I encounter ideas and concepts about God in the media and the newspapers and all of that. And it, and I don't think I would be able to. Um, you know, navigate it if I wasn't able to at least say, okay, so, you know, here, the, for me personally, and I'm not saying this is not true, I'm saying that it doesn't work for me. For me personally, the idea of sort of an old man on a cloud um, making decisions to reward and punish people, uh, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't inspire me. Um, I don't get it. So rather than carrying that idea around and, and being irritated at people for whom it does work, and, and it are people for whom it does work, and that's wonderful, um, I was able to say, okay, well, let me just file that away as, uh, to me, that's not what God is. So let me get it off of my radar. That, you know, I, don't, I don't want to focus on what I think God is not. I would like to let go of what I think God is not, which would open up a space for maybe what God is. So you were talking earlier about a prayer practice or a meditation practice. Um, I stumbled into that in a time of stress. I can't remember what the stressor was now. You know how important things are at the time. And you can't remember them <laughs> later. Yeah. But I was told, and it, it's in step 11 in the, in the 12 and 12, I was told to say a simple prayer over and over and over repetitively, which would open the space in the chatter in my mind to allow a different idea to come through. And so I was introduced through that to a chanting type of, of um, process. And, um, and then from there to a meditation, like more of a Buddhist meditation uh, process where I could listen for something. But I think it took a long time for me to be tuned in to the internal process as opposed to listening for an external experience. Yeah, and, and and I don't think I ever could have found God, as I understand God, looking for an external experience. I mean, I, I've had, you know, group and workshop experiences that have helped me 
Um, but what they've helped me do is to turn within uh, and to encounter um, that 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 experience, you know, in, in unity, we're all about experiencing God more than um, defining God. And so whatever the words may be, you know, whatever it is that God is or is not, um, the approach in unity, and, and it has worked very well for me, is to experience what God is. So any kind of strategies like you're pointing out, any kind of strategies that would help me break through the chatter in my mind, you know, like a, a repeated prayer, or um, I, I did some uh, practices that even looking back now on them, I mean, feel fairly extreme, but um, I think my chatter was extreme. <laughs> and, and, uh, and sometimes I think uh, doing some kind of wild things, I'm thinking particularly of fire walking, you know, walking barefoot on, on red hot coals, uh, that'll wake your butt up. And that woke me up and that shook a whole bunch of that chatter out of my head. I'll tell you what, if you don't know uh, what your higher power sounds like or what your guidance is, um, do a fire walk and ask that higher power, can I do this and can I be safe and do I want to do this? And only do it if you get an affirmative from your higher power. I guarantee you'll know what that higher power sounds like. You know, and I think for for me, um, I have a a physical feeling as well as an intuitive knowing when I have a connection that um, when I have a message. I'll just put it that way, for simplicity's sake. When I when I get an answer, when I've asked a question and I get an answer, whatever the process is to get to that answer, it hits me like a thump physically, like a thump, mm. like you know somebody hits my chest, you know, and I, and I have this intuitive knowing that this is the answer, but that, that didn't come until I learned to turn within and the, the process of turning within that worked the best for me was the quick coherence process used with heart math. And that connects the breathing with a feeling of appreciation surrounded around the heart and in doing that, I finally was able to stay focused within and then on a concept of, of this higher power that was working in and through me and showed up as me in the world. And that has been able to um, sustain me. Can you share a little bit about that, uh, briefly about that heart math process? Because it sounds very powerful uh, and I'm somewhat familiar with it, but uh, I'm wondering if people might want to hear more about what does that look like or how does that work? Sure. So it's called the quick coherence technique and it's by um, the heart math people. And they, you can Google it on the web and they have people that, um, you know, they have YouTube videos and things like that. But basically you focus your attention in the area of your heart. And I can feel my heart beating when I do this. And then you imagine that your breath is flowing in and out of your heart or of your chest area, not through your nose and mouth. And you breathe very deeply and a little bit slower, slower and deeper than usual. They say you can count like to five in and five out. And then you make an attempt to experience, to call up a feeling of appreciation care or love for somebody or something in your life, you know, re-experience this feeling of love. 
and stay focused there as long as you can. When I enter a time of meditation in that manner, that's it. That's the whole process. And, and when I enter a time of meditation in that, with, using that process, it quiets my mind, it gets me focused, and I then enter this time and space uh, continuum where I am unaware of the worldly clamors around me. And when I come out of that, come back from that, whether it's two minutes or 20 minutes, that's when I seem to have inspiration. That's when I have a new idea. That's when I have uh, a connection with something that provides guidance. Yeah, thank you. I can absolutely see why that would work. I mean, one, it sounds like a central aspect of it is gratitude. And of course, you're, you know, using physical breath to uh, put your mind and your body in a place of focus on that and to uh, bring uh, a felt experience of gratitude in um, I, I haven't done that particular approach, but I think I might. I mean, that sounds like a very simple way to to get to that. Again, in, in unity, we're, we're all about the experience of God, to get to that um, experience place, you know, without a lot of hoopla or books or beads or, you know, music or oils or whatever, you know, to get right to the heart of the matter, if you will, by focusing on your own heart. I love that. Yeah, I, that works for me. It works. It's been working for a number of years uh, at this point in time. I, all of the other meditative practices, I can get there uh, to this connection place eventually, but this one is the one that anchors me. And I and I don't know how it works in terms of you know other people that have tried it, but uh, you know I also um, you know, one of the major things that I used in this higher power, how does a higher power guide my life? Okay, well, it sounds real woo-woo. I get connected up inside and I get this feeling and now I know what I'm supposed to do, right? But that isn't all of it for me. Um, I was told early on that if I aligned my behavior, my ideas, emotions, and attitudes with spiritual principles and then acted accordingly, that my life would improve. Mm-hmm. And so that is um, the other component for me. Uh, meditation in any form is absolutely critical, uh, an essential part of the guidance. But, but I have to put my pla- myself in a place to receive it. I can't be doing things opposite of what I'm, you know, I can't be drinking and drugging and saying, hey, keep me sober. You know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Yes. I've got to, which I said earlier, I've got to stop doing certain things, but then I have to start doing others. So aligning myself with, with spiritual principles uh, puts me in a position to receive the guidance. Yep, I can see that. And uh, just this past week, I had spoken with some folks at church about that idea that you know, and again, this is r- related to um, a prosperity approach. You know, that that was the door that I walked through first. M- you know, my my spiritual path began uh, by me walking, so to speak, through a door labeled prosperity. You know, those were the concepts that caught my attention and caused me to look and say, you know, what's going on here? How does this work? And I found that... Um, and what I shared was that my life and your life and people's life, our lives really start to work together when we, A, get on purpose with our life, 
particularly when we get on purpose with our life in alignment with spiritual principles or with our own spiritual gifts. You know, each each of us has spiritual gifts. We don't have to go get them. They are there, though we may have to uncover or discover them. Uh, and, and, if, and if we can uh, get on a distinct purpose in our life in alignment with those things, man, everything sort of starts to come together seemingly on its own. And that is the you know, that is the core message to me of prosperity teachings. You know, prosperity teaching might be um, focusing on, you know, how can my work be joyous in the world and not feel like work? How can my friendships and relationships all function highly and, and not cause uh, stress? How can my health be good always? How can my finances be wonderful? You know, these are the questions that uh, we ask if we're taking a prosperity approach to things. And even though I could ask those things and walk that path really honestly in a very self-serving manner, um, if you're really doing it uh, with integrity, that won't last. Even if, even if it's approached as uh, it's all about me getting more, that will not last. Um, as the, this approach to finding God, you know, finding that guidance to leading a God-centered life um, will fairly quickly turn into a life of service for others, which I have found to be very particularly helpful way of encountering um, and expressing what to me is a higher power in my, in my life is to... Um, through prosperity principles, focusing on service to others. You know, that's probably a whole um, show in itself to talk, <laughs> yeah. about, to talk about that. Because when you start touching on prosperity, there's there's a lot to be said around around those things. Um, you know, I was thinking as you were sharing that, that service, it, service is a core tenant of the 12-step program. Yes. And I don't think it's a mistake that that is that that is the way that is but what's interesting to me is you're talking about service out of gratitude and prosperity and my first encounter with service was out of being told i had to do that <laughs> in order to recover yeah but, grudgingly even yes exactly and so you know i'm thinking about what 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 was the pathway out of that you know to service to loving supportive, nurturing, grateful service today. And the path had to do with what we shared earlier, changing of ideas, attitudes, and emotions and belief systems. You know, I'm not doing it because I was told to. I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I want to or I'm guided to. You know, and that's a big difference. Absolutely. And and what you're saying just reminds me of this is such a, an odd path to walk in life that there is no one way that works for everyone, I have found. You know, something that might work for one person might actually be detrimental to another. Um, and that's, again, I'm always talking about the power of the group and moving into action. So maybe let's move into action. Um, you know, Unity's fifth principle, it's not enough to know these truths which bugs me. I would just rather know them. It's not enough to know these truths. We've got to live them. That means we must take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something that you can do this week to move from powerlessness to recovery with a higher power. So think of some challenge in your life where you feel powerless. Maybe it's in a relationship that leaves you feeling weak, or maybe there's something about your job or your finances that trouble you. 
or you could even have a health challenge that's causing you to feel fragile. The trick is to pick one thing, one simple thing to focus on and to take it into a quiet time of prayer and meditation, just to simply relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. So for an example, let's use a health challenge. Um, for me, like uh, feeling down for no particular reason. Sometimes I feel down for no particular reason. So we would use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to that challenge. You'd say something like, feeling down is not the truth of who I am. And you'd repeat it a few times in your head or even aloud and say it with conviction. Feeling down is not the truth, that's a capital T, of who I am. And we follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. So I could say, I draw strength from my higher power, which vitalizes me on every level. So then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. You could even do the heart math meditation at that point. There's no need to struggle. Just give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. So feeling down is not the truth of who I am. I draw my strength from my higher power, which vitalizes me. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope you found something to help you on your recovery path. And we both bless you on your journey. Thank you to both listeners and callers, and so much to Dan, my co-host, for the insights shared today. And, li and listeners, if you would like, you can co connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.